Uh, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at the last few verses of this, um, this chapter. This is, these last few verses, I think, are so, so importantly crafted. I think it's, it's, it's verses that, as hopefully we'll see today, are, are foundational verses for our church, our Redemption Hill today, and hopefully the universal church. And um, it's, it's a, what we see as I kind of put an email out this week, you'll see hopefully that, that Luke here identifies some landmarks of, of a church, what a church should look like, what a church should be doing. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. And so today, um, today's message maybe is a little bit less, hopefully today's message is a little bit more practical for us and coming out of prophecy and everything else finding practical is good. And so we're going to read the text, all of it, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dig into it and go from there. So Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 42 through 47, or the end of this this chapter. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all had, and had all things in common. Verse 45. And they, were, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, this morning I pray in the next few moments as we, as we try and dig into your word that, um, that, that this morning that your word really is the focal point. That, that the things that we say, the, the, um, the points that, are tr- that we try to get across, that they are rooted in your word. God, I pray above all things that, that as we leave today, today, that we don't leave remembering a story or an illustration, but we leave remembering your words, your words. Your words are the ones that um, we hope the, ch- the church, Redemption Hill and the Universal Church, are built upon. So Lord, help us to be faithful to this. God, I pray that, that, um, that you allow me to be your mouthpiece this morning. And I pray that you give me your thoughts, give me your words, give me your heart, give me your passion, your passion for the church. Lord, I, I, I lift up our faith family today. We have many here and we have many who, who aren't. Lord, I pray that as we look at this foundational passage, that we're able to see our church, that we're able to see the way in which you're building us, and that we're able to identify these these pillars that we're building our church upon. God, I pray that you allow us as a church, allow me as a pastor to remain faithful to what we talk about today. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you. For all that you've already done this morning, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for Danny coming and leading us. 
Thank you for the gifts that you've given him. Now, Lord, help us to worship you through the reading and teaching of your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As I said in my prayer, I believe that this particular passage um, is so, so important, especially with where we are as a faith family. Next Sunday, we celebrate our second anniversary. And as I've said before, we are still in the infant stages as a church. And we're still in the, in the time in which we're building and laying foundation. Um, and, and the temptation, I think, for us, temptation for me is to try and jump ahead and, and to try and, and get the walls completely built up. It's, it's to get programs and all these things going. But if we don't have the proper foundation laid, all that stuff will crumble, will fall, it will be meaningless or useless. And so this morning, I think it's, it's so important that we see this, that we see last week as we concluded the end of Peter's message, when he got done um, in verse 41, after he gets done telling the people to save themselves from this crooked generation, verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. As I told you last week, when we read that, as we read that, we read the birth of the church. That's like the baby announcement that goes out. Like the church has been birthed. It went from 120 people in the upper room to 3,120 people in the matter of one sermon. And as this church exploded in growth, there, that day of Pentecost, and as we'll see all throughout this book, it continually grows, it continually grows. We see here in these five verses how the apostles began to construct what we today call the church. As we look at this, as we consider this, I want us to think of it through two veins. One, through the vein, through the lens of Redemption Hill Church, our faith family, our faith body here, us but then we also have to look at it through the universal church. We have to often be reminded that, that there are so many more churches than just us. We can, we can insulate ourselves. And we can, although we drive by hundreds of them in Tallahassee, we forget that, that today, right now, there are so many other faith families that are gathering, that are, are doing what we're going to read today, that we, that we read today, that are practicing these landmarks. And so let's just try and identify what these landmarks are. And I'm going to encourage you guys as, we, as in this scripture to grab a pen and to underline and maybe make some notes, maybe um, jot things down. Okay, in, verse two, or in verse 42, we see these four things identified. And the rest of the passage, we kind of see them played out. We see the results of those pillars. And so what we see here, the first thing I would, would draw to your attention is it says that they devoted themselves. I, that word devoted, um, I, I, would, I would underline, I would circle it, I'd highlight it. I, I, I would underline it twice. Um, it's, a key, it's a key word. What it is is it's, not, it's, a, it's much more than concerning themselves. It's much more than saying, I think this would be a good idea. It, it's much stronger than saying, I would like to... But no, they, they devoted or they devoured. 
And what was it that they devoted themselves to? It says here, the apostles' teaching. So we underline apostles' teaching. And after that we see in the fellowship. So we see apostles' teaching is the first landmark, the first pillar, if you will. The next one is fellowship. The third one we see is the breaking of bread. And the final one is the prayers. Those, those four pillars is what the apostles used to construct, to build the church here in Acts. And again, it wasn't a matter of these sound like good ideas. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try. What's interesting is just like if we think of it as pillars of a building, if you take one of those pillars out, it'll cause the whole structure to fall apart, won't it? You, you, you can't separate these. You can't take one away without damaging the entire building, without damaging the entire church. So I want us to consider what these, the magnitude of what these four things were. The first one is we see that the apostles teaching. The apostles, well, if you guys ever thought about this, okay, so today we get to teach and I'm preaching from the book of Acts, right? Luke or Peter, as he gets done speaking, Peter can't speak from Acts, can he? You, you know, at this time when all this is arriving, there's no New Testament. You know, they, they, they can't say, hey, what, guys, open up your Bibles to the book of John. Let's go back to Matthew. There's, there's, there's none of that. Does you think that means that the disciples then or the apostles didn't use scriptures? Where would they go? To the Old Testament. They'd go back, and we saw as we looked in Peter's sermon, one of the things that we made mention of that we tried to, 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 to really stress was, was Peter was a man of the word. He went back, and he was quoting from Joel. He quoted from like three or four different psalms in one message. He was using God's word to preach and to teach the people. The, the disciples, the apostles would do the same thing. We'll see it all throughout Scripture. Almost every time these guys go and they have some kind of message, it's, it's them referring back to some book. And typically it was a reference to the Old Testament. And they had three and a half years when they were able to, to, to wander, to gather, to be with Jesus as their teacher. And so they would take the, the things that they, they saw, they, they would be able to sit down and, and, and tell the, the, the crowds about the, the Sermon on the Mount. They would, able, they would be able to tell these crowds about these parables that Jesus told. To me, what is significant in this idea of the apostles' teaching of God's Word is that during this time, as the church was being built, these apostles would be teaching, they'd be preaching, they'd be showing these people what we today call Bible doctrine. They would be talking about doctrine in theology. They would, they would talk about how great and amazing God was. They would talk about the sacrifice of Jesus. One of the things that I think we need to be careful of today in our teaching, in my teaching at Redemption Hill Church, in teachings in the universal church, in the big church, is oftentimes we can turn to the Scripture and try and find self-help remedies. Or we can, we can go through sermons in which we're trying to find how to be a good husband or how to be a good wife. And there's nothing wrong with trying to be a good husband. There's nothing wrong with trying to be a good wife. 
But if we're not careful, we can construct our teaching into this consumer-driven mentality to where we forget to talk about these important doctrines, that we forget to talk about God's glory, we forget to talk about God's grace, and we just try and find areas and ways to make us better. See, as I read the book of Acts, as I read the New Testament, while there may be application to making us better individuals, the intent was to draw the attention to God and not to us. And that's what happened here. We can't discount the importance of learning theology. We can't discount the importance of learning what doctrines there are in the Bible. Um, I'm fearful today that we live in a time in which there's great spiritual immaturity because we've not taken the time to learn the doctrines of the Bible. We've not taken the time to learn about why we believe what we say we believe. The first part we see is this devotion, this devouring of the Bible, of God's Word, the apostles' teaching. The second thing we see is is fellowship. Here's what's kind of neat. That Greek word there used for fellowship is koinonia. It's the first time we see this term used in the New Testament. You don't see that word, that Greek word, koinonia, used at all in the Gospels. Okay, this is the first time we see koinonia used. And that word koinonia means commonness. Uh, they, they began to have this life of being common with one another. You see, after they went through Peter's sermon, after they had accepted Christ as their saviors. They had this thing now in their lives that they could all agree upon. They had this this center, Jesus. Without that, there's there's nothing for us to really come around, is there? Like even in the room today, even in the side, the, the amount of people we have today, when we start talking, there's a lot of differences, aren't there? Like there's a lot of differences when it comes to our favorite football team. There's a lot of differences when it comes to our favorite style of food or the style of clothes that we wear or the cars that we drive or the hobbies that we have. There's a lot of differences. Dare we even bring up politics, right? There's a lot of differences. But the one area that we can all come together in unison over is Jesus, right? That's the, that's the ground in which we can all come together and agree. It's Jesus. Today we, and I in this room am probably the most guilty, we overuse, I think, this term fellowship to the point where I think we cheapen at least what is being described here by Luke in Acts. I, in newsletters, am guilty of saying, hey, make sure you come early to church for fellowship. Right? Or, hey, um, this coming Sunday, we're going to have a fellowship after church, so it's going to be covered dish. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can equate fellowship with church casseroles and punch, right? But as we read this passage, we, we need to understand that the fellowship that the apostles 
we're talking about. The fellowship, that pillar of fellowship that the church was used to, to, to be built upon was not church casseroles and church punch. It was this commonness, but this fellowship came at a cost. Okay, if we skip down here a little bit further when we read this, it says that, um, verse 44 says, and all who believed were together and all had, had all things in common. Right, that same idea. Fellowship, common, koinonia. Okay, they had all things in common. 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had. See that commonness, that koinonia, that fellowship came at a great cost. Now, one of the things we, we can't miss read or put into the scriptures in the 60s and 70s, you know, when the Cold War was, was raging and, and communism was spreading across foreign countries and began to find itself beginning to be rooted even in our own country. Now, some of the, the instructors and teachers and whatnot in colleges and institutions would, would go to this section and would begin to say how communism is a biblical thing. And that's not what's being said here. You know, common, communism says what's yours is mine, okay? But communism has a different approach. It says what's mine is yours. That's a big difference, isn't it? I mean, we're just flip-flopping two words, but, but you think communism says what's yours is mine. Like, what you have, I should have. But communism says, listen, what's mine? Man, it, it, what's mine? Like, if, if you're in need, it's yours. Those, those can be easy words to say and to think but to actually do is different, isn't it? You know, one of the things that we talk about so often in our church is that we're family, right? That we are faith family. That's what I hope we continue to stress. One of the trademarks I think that makes us special is the way that we embrace this idea, this identity of being family. See, that's exactly what happened here in the, in the book of Acts. And you guys remember this. All this takes place on the day of Pentecost, right? This is a feast. People had traveled from all over to come to Jerusalem. They're in the courtyards in, in the temple. All this takes place. You have this massive 3,000 people that come to know Jesus. I mean, they, they, have, they have all these converts but what we see here, what we see played out through the koinonia, through the fellowship, was they were not just concerned with making converts, or as we say, seeing souls saved. They wanted to see lives changed. They, they wanted to see discipleship. And so what happened is, is they began to sell things. Now, they didn't sell, don't, don't misinterpret this saying, Wow, these guys, they get saved and they sell everything. That's not what happened. The next verse we see, they're, they're, they're meeting daily in the temple and then going into homes and breaking bread. Like if they sold everything, 
There'd be no homes to go to, right? But what's so important to see here is that this koinonia, this fellowship, had a cost. It wasn't cheap. It took sacrifice. One of the things that I, in, in conversations that I get to have with, with people in our community, when I talk about our church, one of the things, one of the first things I talk about is how we have this great sense of sacrifice. For those of you who have been with us on this journey for two years now, we've continually sacrificed. All of us have. Young and old, we all sacrifice. One of the temptations I believe that we have as we grow older or as we grow larger is this idea of needing and wanting to sacrifice wears off. Where we kind of cross over this step where we begin to think, well, we deserve to have or we shouldn't have to suffer anymore or sacrifice anymore or my youth needs or my kids need or I need Fellowship comes at a price. After we see fellowship, we see there where it says the breaking of bread. And here now is kind of a twofold thing. The breaking of bread was meals together where they would come together. The, the, the families, the, the, the people in this newfound faith family would, would on a day-to-day basis would gather together for meals. They would break bread there. But When we get into verse, uh, where is it? Verse 46, it says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and they receive their food. You see, verse 42, it talks about just breaking bread. Verse 46 says, breaking bread and it says receiving food together. And so what we see is there's this, there's kind of two parts to this breaking of bread. One was they would have meals together. They would, they would sit together as families. They would, they would interact together. They would, they would more than likely, as you would go by these, these people, there'd be, there'd be laughter, there'd be joy. They would be talking about things that are going on in their lives, in their families' lives, and in the communities or whatever. But they would, they would come together for meals, receive food together. But they also broke bread or did communion the Lord's Supper. We last Sunday night had our, our first upper room, a, a, a night of prayer. We gathered up here, a few of us, and the first thing we did after kind of going over some introduction is we did Lord's Supper together. We did communion together. Communion is one of those powerful things and in and, and different denominations, different faith groups, they do it a little bit differently. Some you may, maybe you've gone to where there's like this single cup and they pass it around and you all drink out of the single cup. For germaphobes, that doesn't go very well, does it? Um, some of you, maybe you've, you've been in spots where there's like a loaf of bread and then there's a little goblet of, of, the, of the juice and they tear off the bread, you dip it in there and you eat it together in one. Um, for us, typically we have these little glasses, little plastic glasses that we have grape juice and we have these little wafer 
little thin wafer, stale tasting things. But what's so important about this process, what's so important about communion is, is as we begin to partake in communion, it paints this beautiful picture where we, we see the koinonia of Christ, the fellowship of Christ, the, the cost of the fellowship of Christ. We consider Jesus and how he came and how he died on the cross for our sins, how he's beaten for us. And for me, that, that sense of communion, that, that time of quietness, the time of reflecting on that gift, on that sacrifice, it often gets my compass recalibrated, gets me on the right path. It also allows me the opportunity to, to truthfully look at myself in the mirror and see where in my life am I falling short. See, when we take communion for granted, when we, when we go through it and we, we don't, um, when we cheapen it, as we see Paul talk about it in uh, First or Second Corinthians, we, we see the result of where, where Paul warns the people, you know, doing communion in an unworthy manner. You know, it could have physical effects on us, emotional effects on us. See, breaking the bread, the meal together is great. The fellowship of, of casseroles and punch is fun. But the fellowship of communion together as a faith family where we stop and we recognize the blood and the body of Christ is so powerful. And then the last pillar there that Luke identifies. So we have the pillar of the apostles' teaching, the, the, the pillar of God's word of teaching and learning. We have the pillar of fellowship, of, of koinonia, the, of costly fellowship. We have the, the pillar of breaking of bread, of communion, of, of the fellowship around the table. And then we see this last pillar, the pillar of prayer. Pillar of prayer. You know, as we consider this pillar of prayer, Sometimes we think, well, okay, so in this context, he's talking about the church, like the church as a whole, the, the body, the family, the faith family. Prayer, like I, I can do that individually, can I? And yes, we can. In Matthew 6, we're commanded to. But, but what's interesting is if we read further in Matthew, I think it goes into Matthew 18, we see that there's this unique dynamic when we come together as a family, as, as a group, and we we pray. At my house, it, it can go something like this. Um, I can be doing something very important, like looking at ESPN or reading a book or whatever it is. And one of my kids may come up to me and say, hey, Dad, can we go to the park? And I'll say, no, I, I'm, I'm busy. This is important. And so... Um, so Reagan's attempts may have failed, but Addison may come in later and say, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, can we go to the park? Can we go to the park? No, I'm busy. This is important. But my guard's being let down a bit. 
And Mackenzie may come in and say, Dad, hey, I got a great idea. Me and Addison and Reagan and Cash were talking, and the park would be a lot of fun. Let's go to the park. I'm busy, but I'm a little bit more reluctant in that. But then when Courtney comes in and says, hey, listen, uh, Mackenzie, Addison, Reagan, Cash, and I have all been talking, and we think going to the park would be a lot of fun. And typically what would happen is the keys would go from my pocket into the ignition of the car, we're packed up, and we're going to the park. And it's not that the idea of corporate, of prayer coming together, it's not that this upper room gathering that we do this the last Sunday of the month is that we're trying to manipulate God because we cannot manipulate God. But God takes great delight in hearing the corporate prayers, the group prayers, where we're seeking him, where we're looking to him, where we're asking him for blessings, for discernment, for wisdom, for whatever it may be. To me, this is what's amazing. Is as you look at those pillars, that the, those landmarks that the, the apostles used to construct this early church, we see the byproduct, we see the result of that. And what we see is the people who are going. And first, this is what's awesome. 40, 43 says in this, and the awe came upon every soul. If you, if you think about that word awe, some of your versions may translate it fear. Fear came upon them or upon their souls. Now, it wasn't that they were shaking in fear of a scary God, but they were so amazed. So what's awesome, when you think about this, when you read this in Scripture, think about John. When, when he writes the book of Revelation, when he's allowed a glimpse of heaven, when he sees God, the Bible tells us that John fell on his knees. He fell on his face because he was in such awe of God. I, Isaiah I think it's Isaiah 6, maybe verse 8. When, when he sees this, he sees this, this glimpse. Isaiah says, listen, my lips, I'm so unworthy. Woe is me. I'm so unworthy. My lips are unclean. And this is Isaiah, a prophet. As we genuinely look at these pillars, and as we devote ourselves, as we try to devour God's word and God's teaching, and we try and learn, as we engage in costly fellowship, as we break the bread in communion as a faith family, as we come together in prayer, something changes. We begin to have this awe for God. One of the things today that terrifies me is how we can construct this concept of a chummy God where, where people just will refer to God as the guy up, as the big man upstairs. And we've lost the awe. We lost the understanding about how amazing this God is. And yes, he loves us. Yes, he calls us friends. But yes, he sent his only son to die on the cross for my sin and your sin. And yes, he, with a stroke of a finger, created this amazing world that we live in. We lose sight on the awe of God. And instead of awing him, we feel like we can just give him a high five, like he's one of the other guys. So the result of this is we see these people had this awe in God. 
Not only did they have an awe in God, we later in that verse 43 says that they, they saw many wonders and signs that God gave them these powers, these abilities to do things. Folks, I don't think it ends here in Acts. I think we still have that same way of connecting with him today. That as we get that awe of God, I believe that God still does signs and wonders. They found this commonality together. They found that Koinonia fellowship. They gathered together on a regular basis. Now listen, um, verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Um, you know, I can stand up here and, and, and rail on church attendance. And some will think, well, you know, he's, he's doing this because of his position as pastor and he wants the seats to be filled or he wants more money in an offering or whatever. Folks, I, I, believe, I believe this, and this is more than just because I have to, I'm paid to be here on a Sunday morning. I think church attendance is critical. I, I think we see it here. You know, we, we ask for Sundays and Wednesdays Back in this day, during the day of Pentecost and all this is going on, notice how it says day by day. I mean, they were there every day. Now, I understand that you all have jobs and families that prohibit you being here every day. And I'm not asking for us to turn around and say, listen, I need to be here every day. I'm not asking you guys to, to devote yourselves to being here for my benefit. It's for our benefit as a faith family. I was thinking about this the day. Have any of you guys ever been out to California and seen redwoods in person? Any of you guys, like a couple of you have? Okay, I've, I've not. I've been to California one time and didn't make it there. But Gavin, you got a couple of these slides up here I put on there, right? Okay, so, so here's some pictures of these, these redwoods. Like, and they're enormous, right? And so just kind of funnel through them there, Gavin. Like this, I don't know who this dude is. I totally stole this from Google, right? But like, you see, that's a little guy compared to that big old, trunk, isn't it? Right? What, what else we got? I think there's one like, yeah, see this one's like a car can drive through that tree. That means it's a big old tree, isn't it? Here's another one. Check this out here, okay? And so you got an apple tree. This is, I'm from Michigan. This is what we have is apple trees, okay? 10-story building, sequoias and redwoods to give us a perspective. That's enormous, isn't it? Okay, so in our minds, we think, wow, those redwoods, I mean, those are big, huge, strong trees, right? But here's the deal. The reality is this, as big as they look and as strong as they appear, their root system is not very good. By themselves, if, if, if a redwood was growing by itself, if a strong wind came, it would blow over fairly easily which is why they grow in these groves. They grow together. And then what happens is the roots, rather than just being for one tree, they intertwine with one another. And so as those winds come, it's those roots of all those trees together holding one another up. And see, and that's what the faith family is. That's what the church ought to be, is a grove of redwoods that don't just appear to be strong, 
but have these roots that are interconnected in these, these landmarks, these pillars of a church. So as those winds arrive, which they will, and as struggles come, and they will, they're unavoidable. There's family there that we all need. But if we disconnect ourselves, if, if, we, if we take our tree out of the grove, when those things arrive, our roots aren't interlocked with anything. There's no one else there to help us, to hold us up, and we fall. I, I told you as we went through this study of the book of Acts, I wanted us to be able to see for ourselves how we as a faith family have tried to construct a church that models this. We, in June, in a, in a meeting, a vision casting meeting, I, I showed the faith family our core values. In this passage, in these five verses, we can see all seven of our core values. Okay, and so what I want us to do real quickly, I'm gonna, I, want you to, I, I want you guys to see our core values in this passage and then we're going to pray and we're going to go. Okay, so in this first part, when we saw that the, the apostles' teaching or, or, or God's word, we, we see two of our core values, I think, very plainly seen. One of them is that we're biblically based. Okay, we are biblically based. Um, the second one is that we're Jesus-centered. Biblically based, Jesus-centered. Guys, um, our, our method, my method in, in, in teaching I'm not saying, y'all know I'm not the greatest preacher. Y'all know that, that I'm not the smartest man. But listen, this is what we do. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through a book of the Bible. If it's in the Bible, it's fair game. I hope and pray that we, we get to it at some point in time. My greatest desire as I, as I try to pray every week is that, that as you leave today, that you guys don't leave today thinking about a redwood forest but you think about Acts 2.42 through 47. I want us to be built around the Bible. I want our teaching to be infused with Scripture and God's Word. Next, we see um, in fellowship, as we talked about before, there's a cost. The true koinonia fellowship is a cost. It's not communism where it's what your, what's yours is mine. But our, our third core value is that, that we're contributors, not consumers. Like we're not here just trying to soak up whatever the program is, whatever the teaching is, whatever the music is. But rather we're here to contribute. That we're looking for, for ways in which we can get involved and serve our family, our faith family. And I'm not, call, I'm not calling for you guys to sell your homes. What I'm calling for you to do is, is engage with your faith, family, find ways. There are multiple ways for you to get involved. And there are some people I know, I know, I've been adult long enough that I know there are certain people that are waiting for someone to come up to them and ask them to do something. And they won't do it until they're asked. And if they're not asked, they're offended. Here's the deal. There are so many opportunities. We have, we have children's activities on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. 
We have youth activities on Wednesday nights. We have a clean team that, that, that comes on Thursdays or Fridays to help clean the church. We, we have one of my greatest desires is for us to build a greeting ministry. But in order for us to have a greeting ministry, we have to have people who are, will volunteer to come to church a little early to greet people. We, we hope to establish a connection team, a group that will, that will follow up with our visitors, that will reach out for those who maybe have been out for a while and send them a note, send them an email, send them a text, do something. But in order for us to do that, we have to have people who will be willing to do that. Because there's a lot of opportunity to be contributors and not just consumers. The, the next part we see is kind of a, a mix of the fellowship and the breaking of bread, but, but we're committed to community. I mean, we're committed to community. We, we try and do things together as faith family. And one of my favorite things we do at, right now, we've done like once a year, is, is that we come together and we do like the picture here. That was from our first baptism service that we did over at Lake Hall. When we come together, we have a big old potluck of casseroles and punch that I just preached against, right? We come together, we have desserts. We do all sorts of those, those things, and I walk away gaining like five or 10 pounds. We laugh, we sit around tables, we, 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 we talk about what's going on in lives. We, we baptize, the first one we baptized nine people, the second time we baptized 11 people, I believe. Right? We're committed to community. We're committed to doing things together as a family. And that's as, as simple as that sounds. Like society today is ripping families apart, aren't they? And what we as a faith family are trying to do is create an atmosphere where we're coming together as family. And then prayer. We're passionate about prayer. I would encourage you guys that the next time we do an upper room, which will be the last Sunday of the month in October, that you guys consider coming. We had several that came this past week. And guys, it's not overly structured. But we did communion. We talked about prayer requests, and then we prayed. We stood up here in the circle in this area. We, we held hands. And we prayed for each other. And for those who were there, I, I, I think they will tell you it was a powerful night. But we, we shared some, some issues going on in our own lives. One of the people that prayed that night was, was literally crying as they were praying. See, that's family. That's being passionate about prayer. The last core value that we have is that we're committed to the uncommitted. Or committed to the uncommitted. As we see that chapter, the second chapter of Acts end, this is what I find so amazing. Because of those four landmarks, those four pillars that those apostles used to build the church, notice how in verse 46, verse 47 says, in praising God, having favor with all the people, that all the people is not a reference to the 3,120 that were part of the church. That meant everybody else in Jerusalem. See, the, the rest of the people in that community, they, they saw something going on. They, they saw that there was something different occurring. And they, they saw that these, these, these new Christians, 
They were doing that. They were sacrificing in fellowship. They were coming together in prayer and, and they were going to these meetings. And they, were, they were learning and they were teaching and they, they saw this, this communion stuff going on and they saw all of this and they saw this gladness, this happiness in the people. And even though they didn't understand it, even though they didn't know what was going on, they began to become envious of it. And I am convinced more and more every single day that for us to reach our community that we're placed in, that God's placed us in, in order for us to fulfill the mission that I believe God's granted us to see souls saved and lives changed, it will not come through marketing. It will not come through Facebook blasts. It's going to come from us doing Acts 2.42, living lives that are fully devoted, continually devoted to God's word, to fellowship, to breaking the bread into prayers. The outside world's going to look and become envious because they see us as these redwoods with roots intertwined, living life together something that appears to be impossible. And it is if it's not built around Jesus. That's my prayer for us. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. God, I thank you for this passage. Lord, I thank you for this faith family. God, I couldn't think of finer people to live life with. Lord, I'm thankful that they're they're not acquaintances in life. And it's not just friendship, but it's family. Lord, I pray that I ask for protection as we go from year two into year three, as feelings may begin to fester where the idea of being a contributor may feel less desirable than being a consumer. And when we begin to think of all the programs we may need or the things that we may need or whatever it might be. Drive us back to this, God. Drive us back to the way you intended the family to be. Help us to build and construct these pillars so we can accomplish the plans that you have for us. God, I pray that you do that in us individually and then corporately. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.